0: Hello, Parapeep. How are you doing this evening? We have a new tale for you. Oh, I didn't wait for your response, Parapeep. Hold on. Oh, I'm glad you're doing well. Okay, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> what is in that
1: cup? It's, it cannot be tea. So I gotta ask.
0: Listen, it just is what it is, okay? Let's all continue right. on. Uh, what What are we doing tonight? Are we doing chilling? Are we doing spooky? Are we doing thrilling
1: well this one might be a little bit of all three you'll have to tell me after i told the story
0: you'd be terrible been, at classifying things you know i would be because
1: <laughs> you should see whenever i classify for stories i'm like that goes in my ufo pile and that goes into this pile so i save it in like four different piles because and then you start be, mashing you know,
0: them together again no
1: because then i know <laughs> because then i know where they're where i will find it again oh okay. it has a ufo theme to it but it could be men in black so i gotta pop it into the men in black one too oh i see and government conspiracies it might be a government conspiracy so let's pop it over there yes
0: well what is it
1: well what is it is a ghost story but it's a ghost story with a twist so this story also came from a police officer i've been doing a lot of reading from um police officers lately and this one um Took place in the nineteen um nineteen eighties, and um, it was a police officer who uh, responded to a call of a rig that had gone off of a hill and had had a really bad accident. So he gets to this the site, and the rig had kind of jackknifed along the side of the road, and um, it was in pretty bad shape. It had rolled once and come back up, and it was in pretty bad shape by the time he gets there, and the it's on fire. And he can see the driver inside the cab of the rig, and he's fighting with the seatbelt and the and the steering wheel's kind of bent up against him. And it, it, the protocol was to not put yourself in harm's way, but of course the officer couldn't just stand there and watch. Right. So he tries to get up into the rig and help the guy get the, the seatbelt and stuff off and get him unwedged, but he can't get him out from behind the the wheel. The wheel's bent over him and they just can't get him out. And he's screaming for fires burning on the outside of the rig and what have you. And it finally, it hits the inside of the compartment, and the police officer has to drop down off of the rig because he can't hold on any longer. It's too hot, too dangerous. And the man is screaming, and he starts screaming, shoot me, my God, just shoot me, just shoot me. Don't let me die like this. By now, there's other cars pulled over. And the officer standing there. He knows he can't do this. He can't. Right. You know, and yet... Human compassion just is so overwhelming and people are screaming, oh, my God, you've got to help him. You've got to help him. And he can't get into the rig. It's on fire. It's it's consuming. So he finally um, and I'm sure this was just a few seconds. It doesn't take long. Um, He knows he's going to end up in trouble, but he pulls his weapon and shoots the man. And in the last seconds, as the weapons coming up, the man looks at him and he knows he's getting shot and he mouths the word. Thank you. Well, you can imagine the hubbub that happens after this is over with. He tells them he discharged his weapon. He tells them why he did it. Um, they, They have him arrested for, you know, what he did. And they take his gun and everything. In the end, he does get off with not being punished because the family of the man stands up for him. And tries to help because... They appreciate the fact that he didn't let him burn to death alive, and um, but he loses his ability to be a, a police officer over it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And eventually, um, over the years, he he finds other employment and what have you. And and uh, he says that um, he tells his family he never feels like he's completely alone. Like that was the day, the day he did this. Something changed for him. And he said, I don't know if it's because I took a life. It was the first time he had ever done that or what it was. But he just always felt like there was somebody behind his shoulder from that point on. Fast forward about 20, 25 years. He's now um, an older gentleman. He's now driving, um, you know, in the area um, for his work, like delivering people to um, home nursing in different places, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, he's driving this fairly small vehicle comparatively and he's just picking up like one person at a time taking them where they need to go and then coming back picking up the next and he finds himself in traffic between sandwiched between two rigs and he's it dawns on him having had the opportunity to be a police officer that he he thinks you know what i bet they can't see me because they're in traffic. And you know how they have those pictures now, this thing on there that says, if you can't see the my mirrors, I can't see you. Yeah. And he was thinking something along those lines. And um, at just that moment, as he's thinking this, um, the first rig that was going pretty, pretty good, good clip suddenly jams on its brakes. And he jams on his brakes. And he realizes that the rig behind him, may not see him in time and just keep plowing forward right over him. Mm-hmm. And he thinks, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to be accordioned between these rigs. And as he's thinking that and he's trying to figure out what to do, um, he sees a flash of movement in the passenger seat, which should have been empty. And he looks and it's the burned man that he shot years earlier. And he's got the the burns on him. He's he com- He'll never forget that face. Mm-hmm. And nobody would ever forget something like that. And he looks at this thing. And as he looks at it, the man screams, no, he can't hear him. But he can see the mouthing of the word no. And, it, and the man reaches out, grabs the steering wheel and jams it hard to the right. And instead of being hit, he just squeaks by the front rig and ends up like down over the berm. But he's OK. He's alive. And whenever the police come, because the first rig hits the second rig or excuse me, the other way around, the second rig hits the first rig, he rear ends it. Um, so of course the police are called and everything and the guy was like, uh, the one um, truck driver came over to him and said, dude, I didn't even know where you came from until I saw you shooting out from around. And then I thought, oh my God, I could have killed you. Mm-hmm. He's like, I- how did you manage to get out of there in time? And the guy said, uh, I-, I guess I'm lucky, I'm just lucky. But he said that was also the moment whenever his life changed yet again, because from that moment forward, he no longer felt like there was somebody looking over his shoulder. It was almost as though this man had awaited an opportunity to pay back his kindness and having done so was now free to go on.
0: So he probably never left to begin with. It's not like he was popping in and out, like he was permanently there, he thought. He
1: said... Well, he just thought that something was different. He didn't know if it was his guilt or what it was, but he never felt completely alone from the time he did that until this occurred.
0: I don't know what, uh, I don't know exactly if this would be a part of some sort of episode or not, but the power of a stare. What is that? Like, you I feel like I was being watched. You know when somebody's in the room with you watching you. You just do. Yep. And everybody done has that. It's on not that. okay. And, and it's not like a sixth sense thing. It's like everyone knows when someone's being staring at them. Why? Well, it
1: may be sort of a sixth sense thing. And let me tell you, there's 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 been studies done like where the people have been in a room and they have like a one way mirror on one wall. And somebody comes and looks at them through a little tiny window mm. at the door and the person sitting there is doing whatever it is he's been given ta- uh, the task to do, like maybe write, uh, fill out a form or something like that. And all of a sudden they'll kind of look up and like look back at the door like something's different. Right. And the only thing that's happened is somebody has gone to the door and is looking through a little tiny crack in the door or a little like window in the door that they can't see them
0: mm-hmm. so
1: they can't physically see them and they don't hear them but they do know they sense that they're there and they've done it multiple different ways we you know through a door through through the one glass you know the one-way glass um and about an 80 percent of people will cue to it
0: yeah yeah that's why well I guess six cents yeah it could be six cents i I guess I meant you don't need to be as sensitive to be able to experience that. Well, I think everybody, like has everyone a level. can. Yeah. I think yeah. everybody
1: has a level of that. And one of the, the things that we are very good at and it's, it's an almost a primitive instinct is to know when something's watching us because our lives depended on it for millennia.
0: Right. But that's the weird thing is that if somebody's turned away, like if you're at a party and someone is talking about you and looks over, right. And you're not even facing them. You just mm-hmm. know someone's looking over your direction but when they turn around, you know that they're not watching you. So it's not a matter of oh, it feels like somebody's here with me. It's like the actual stare itself, which is so yeah, it's it weird. is. Anyway, uh, that that was kind of relevant to that. I guess <laughs> he just felt like someone was with him. Some, someone was looking after. It is him kind all of time. weird. So I don't know if there's any way to ever test something like that. Is there energy that comes but, uh, out your eyeballs it, as a it, is a
1: it is a weird little instinct. Yeah. Well, and it, and it might have something to do with that heart brain we talked about. Remember how I said it anticipated people?
0: I was thinking about the heart and, brain the other day, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Because I was having I a moment where I'm like, that. I don't think this is my brain brain. <laughs> I was like, I think this might be one of the functions of the heart brain. I wish I wrote it down because I don't remember what it was, but it was just like, uh, I I just felt like I knew for some reason at that moment.
1: Yeah. And they said that it actually sends the signal to the brain prior to it actually occurring. And then the brain responds to it rapidly as soon as it occurs. Yeah.
0: If you didn't see that, the episode is called, does our brain have a heart or something similar to that? I don't remember what you call it. Our heart has a brain, uh, second brain. I just know that, um,
1: I just know that, uh, you know, I uh I truly enjoyed the research for that. That was just so much fun.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, there's your tale, and we will catch you and later. And so was
1: it creepy or what was it?
0: Mm, not really. I mean, I don't consider any stuff dealing with dying creepy anymore. <laughs> you know, cuz that's like every beginning of a, a ghost story is like someone died, you know, so so well, you
1: have to have a death well not necessarily a death you do i mean there are living ghost stories but they're rare
0: comparatively. Right. i don't want to talk about those because they puzzle you and that make your blew brain my brain that one time was that a patron episode that was a patron episode i think but oh patty what have you been doing to me
1: you <laughs> I I just present possibilities.
0: And let my brain run wild. Okay.
1: Well, then your brain's under your control. No, it's not. not mine. (laughs) It's not under mine, that's for sure.
0: It ain't under mine either. And we're scared. My brain's got a brain brain of its own.
1: (laughs) And a heart brain.
0: Uh, Okay. Um, We'll let you guys go. Catch you later. Bye-bye.